Welcome to You Get a Rose. I'm your host, Hannah W. And I'm your host, J. Ike Diggs. Here to talk about Matt James, episode 7, and all the other controversy happening in Bachelor Nation right now. That's where we have to start, because this past week has been nothing short of epic in terms of the amount of controversies that we have had to deal with. So let's just start by, in case anyone who's listening has not been caught up with the Bachelor Nation controversy, let, let us just tell you what it is. So let's do that. It starts off with, over the course of the season, a lot has been dug up about the contestant, Rachel. Mm-hmm. A lot. And it more and more seems to keep coming to the surface. So she has liked photos where people are dressed in MAGA gear, where they're dressed as in inappropriate Halloween costumes. She's per- herself been in inappropriate Halloween costumes in images. And then recently... It was also found that she, at 2018, went to a, a plantation, but she she went to a, a, a party at a plantation, and she dressed in the clothing of the time. So she essentially dressed up as a person who would have owned slaves. That's what it's called, an antebellum plantation party. So, antebellum, right. okay. Okay, so, right, and it's different than if, like, there's a lot of weddings, for example, that are held on former plantation sites. That's right. But this is an antebellum party, so it's specifically people are dressed up in the clothing that they would be would have been wearing. And this picture came out about from Rachel. For a long time she didn't say anything about it to anybody. She didn't have an apology come out, nothing. Which is smart on her part. You think so? Well, yeah, because not it hadn't been dug up. So she was essentially hiding. Oh, I mean, even after it came out, it took her a, a minute to say anything about it. Okay. Yeah. So it'd be one thing if, you know, she had never brought it up, which would have been yep. smart. <laughs> yep. But in this case, anyway, so that happened in 2018. This picture was dug up a few weeks ago. She hasn't said anything. So then Rachel, who was the bachelorette, mm-hmm. who's now a host of a million different shows, She's part of the franchise in a lot of different ways. She runs their official Bachelor Happy Hour podcast. She also works for E! News. And she did an interview with Chris Harrison, and she said, do you think about this antebellum plantation party? And, oh, it was horrible. Chris Harrison basically said he thought that in 2018, people weren't woke enough to know better than to do that, whereas now in 2021, we do. Rachel said, even in 2018, it was inappropriate. It was, it's never been an inappropriate thing to do. And she also said something really poignant, which is, who would I have been at that party? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like at that point is where he really started to backpedal a little bit. Yeah. And he started to recognize how wrong he was in his the argument that he was making. I hope so. But he also said a couple of things like the woke police and how people are trying <laughs> to destroy Rachel's reputation and... All of that. So that happened, and as a result of that, Bachelor Nation, well, not everybody, but a, a lot of progressive people in Bachelor Nation started to call for the removal of Chris Harrison yes. as host. And then Chris Harrison came out with a statement saying he was going to take a step back and basically try to learn from what he'd done wrong. Right. Yep. Eye-rolling, I see. <laughs> <laughs> And Rachel also came out with a statement, which I sent to you earlier this week, um, Jay, and it basically said the same thing, where she's like, needs to learn. 
So all of that said, I want to know first. Tell me. What are your thoughts on Chris Harrison's apology? And what do you think should be the next step for the franchise to address? Oh, my goodness. It's a big question. Huge. Well, first of all, if I'm completely honest with you and with the listeners, I only watched about two minutes of that interaction between Chris Harrison and Rachel. You don't need to watch too much more. That's about all I could stomach. Yeah. And my initial reaction was, oh, yeah, you know, he's just doing what middle-aged, kind of arrogant white dudes do, which is regardless of the fact that you have somebody in front of you that is saying, based on my lived experiences as a black woman, this is how it is. He kept on trying to take her down a notch and get her to see things his way, which as you articulated, Hannah, was basically people need to calm down about all this race stuff. I'm paraphrasing. Um, Cancel culture is destroying our celebrities and our (laughs) beloved Bachelor Nation family. Right. And this... In, and I'm paraphrasing again, the argument that you're making, Rachel, Lindsay, is based on all the stuff that went down after George Floyd. And before George Floyd, all of this wasn't as big of a deal. So let's give our girl, Rachel K, a break. Yeah. Right. That's exactly and so, what he said in, in even more succinct words. Yeah. And so, you know, my initial reaction to that isn't to really get upset. It's not I don't have like a very visceral reaction. It's what I'd expect from Chris Harrison, especially based on the conversations we've had about how they've dealt with race up to this point. Since the beginning of the season, we've been talking about how they've been doing this very colorblind, hands-off approach to race, Mm -hmm. even though they have more uh, black and um, women of color contestants than they've ever had. And obviously they have their first black bachelor. That was a mess. And I appreciated the way that Rachel Lindsay handled it for the point up until, you know, the two minutes that I watched where she was like, look, this is a timeless issue. It's not just because white folk. And this is what happened quite a bit um, with the rise of Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. White folks started to realize a lot of white people. I'm not going to put all white people in the same category, but white folks started to realize just how deeply entrenched the isms and the phobias are in our national fabric. 100%. You know, they started to exclaim, wow, I really can't believe that Donald Trump could say this thing about black people and still maintain his position. Mm -hmm. Or I really can't believe the things that Donald Trump has admitted doing to women, the predatory and abusive behavior that he has admitted to, And that we still accept that and we're still continuing business as usual. So that, you know, I put Chris Harrison in that category because that's the argument he was, you know, he was like, look, I'm recently woke to these issues. And that means that all of the rest of the world, regardless of race or whatever identities you um, subscribe to or claim, you must be in the same boat where you just started to come to realize how bad of an issue our country has Mm -hmm. with race Mm -hmm. in this case. And so I just think it's really funny how oftentimes white folks think like their 
timeline for understanding something is the timeline for um, the rest, for the existence yes. of that issue. 100%. There we go. 100%. Yes. Yes. No, that is very true. And as like a white liberal person who I've always considered myself liberal, even just the election and presidency of Barack Obama allowed yeah. me to be super complacent. Yes. And so then the whole process leading up to Donald Trump becoming elected and then throughout his entire pre- or his entire presidency it that time period was like a wake up call a reminder mm-hmm. and when just for myself at my age when Obama was elected I was 20 years old so I was kind of go- getting into who I am and how I affect the world and then mm-hmm. I l- sort of let that time period just be comfortable yeah. but just because Donald Trump woke me up to it doesn't mean that it any of my friends of color were woken up to it through Donald Trump. That's right. And 2018 was during that era. This is not like 2008 that she did this. It's not very long ago. It's only three years ago. George Floyd was the reason it, that it woke up a lot of other people is because it got to the point where people were so that white people actually got fed up. And that's, that's when right. now. People are saying things, I'm using finger quotes, things are changing. But it's really just because white people decided to take up the cause, whereas black people and other people of color have been fighting this entire time for recognition that these problems even exist. Yeah, definitely. And we could get into why white folks took up the cause, but I would say that it had less to do, again, I'm not putting all white folk in one sweeping category, But it had less to do with the actual issues at the center of that controversy around police violence and police murder and more to do with a feeling of insecurity um, in terms of the safeness of their cities. Yes. Right. Yeah. So as cities started to burn, as places were being looted, it was kind of like from the white folks that I know that live in that area, the suburbs around Minneapolis, not to say that they don't care. I'm not saying that they don't care, but I'm saying that on top of that, the sense of urgency was heightened by the fact that it, it was chaos. There was a, yeah, inside of a global pandemic where we already were not really leaving our homes, where people were strapped for cash, unemployed, like a lot of factors. Yeah. That's right. Yep. I would even say, you know, I'm sure maybe you're holding back on this front, but I would also argue a lot of white people just didn't want to be on the wrong side. Mm. Mm. It, it looks pretty bad to be in the Twin Cities where I am and where you're from yeah and to say nothing yeah and it looks even worse to be on the wrong side of that moment and yeah and try to justify george floyd's murder so maybe also the pressure of other people doing it it's kind of a popular thing to do yeah unfortunately is what got a lot of white people to get engaged and can i just add one thing about why it looks bad in my opinion yeah but for me the most frustrating thing about white silence now and at that point of t- in time and just in terms of the white folks that I hold close in my life is that when you state a commitment to racial equity 
or to gender equity or whatever social cause that you want to take up. But let's focus on race here because that's what we're discussing. Mm -hmm. You have to understand, A, the long history of racial capitalism and black bodies being commodified in this country, Mm -hmm. right? And B, the way that that led to generational wealth for white communities and for white immigrants who were racialized as white throughout history. Right. Okay. So understanding the way that generational wealth and the accumulation of generational resources works and the, and how it's directly, it directly correlates with how black folks were enslaved and how brown people and other people of color have been exploited in this country throughout history. You have to recognize that when you state these commitments, that that's the bare minimum. When you say, this is terrible, what can we do about it? That is the absolute bare minimum. Think about what it would require to undo, to make right processes, again, forms of exploitation that I just mentioned. It goes far beyond reading a book about it. Yes, yes. It It goes goes beyond making that statement. Yes. And so for folks to say, I'm committed to this, but to also stay silent or to tell me they're committed to it behind the scenes, but afraid to say something maybe on their social media or when I'm in a meeting and I'm sitting next to white folks, that tells me that it might just be performative and you really are going to have to reconcile with what it would actually take for this country to exercise any type of reparations or real racial justice. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And it feels almost silly to just be like, and in the Bachelor context, but in this context. (laughs) Back to the Bachelor. Right. If we're thinking about Chris Harrison and Rachel Kirkconnell, their apologies truly are the bare minimum, the absolute bare minimum. It's like recognition that black people are people. That's what they're yep. doing. And that is the absolute bare minimum that they could be doing. And I think that's why people are so upset because that's it. That's all we get. We get a PR statement that was written in conjunction with somebody else to look a certain way, to come across as a certain way, to even be using more modern language around yeah. race. Right. And that's it. That's what we get. And I'll give it to them. I'll give it to them and their PR people. These apology tours, these apology letters are airtight in terms of state the harm that was done, state your role in the harm, accept all responsibility, and say what you'll do moving forward. Right. Well, I don't even think they really said what they're going to do moving forward besides take a step back. Chris Harrison's like, take a step back and listen. Rachel's doesn't say, it just says, I hope I can earn your forgiveness through my future actions. It doesn't even say what those actions are going to be. Neither of them are putting their money where their mouth is. Right. And, you know, I would even say that that's less than the bare minimum. Right. You know, the apology tour is almost a way to save their own butts. I wouldn't even say almost. It's 100% 100%. a way to save their own butts. And... 
again, it doesn't really lead to what people purportedly claim that they're about. Right. Had Rachel said as the season started, I, you know, I need you to recognize, like if we had seen her on TV say to Matt James, I have participated in things that I'm not proud of that were yeah. exploitative, that were glorifying a time when people were enslaved. And I'm still coming to terms with that because I'm only 24 years old. And that happened when I was 21. If she had said that to him on the show, like made a choice to actively take accountability for it before yeah. someone ca- called her out. Yeah. Okay. That would be the bare minimum. But this is below yeah. the bare minimum because she was called out for it. And now she's just trying to make up for it. Several weeks too late. Several mm-hmm. weeks too late. Mm-hmm. Of course, we don't know what grip the show has on her in terms of when she could have spoken. We don't know if True. she could have spoken earlier. I don't know. But I know that this looks really too little too late. It's like a total of 20 sentences. Yeah. <laughs> and masterfully crafted sentences right. at that. Right. Right. And she's not right. saying, I'm from one of the counties with the highest rate of hate crimes in the country. She's not saying that, yeah. which is true about yeah. her. She's not saying, my father has donated to Red Action, which multiple times, which supported Trump's reelection campaign and which supported his campaign claiming that the election was fraudulent. Right. She doesn't say that. She doesn't say any no. of that. She's no. not even saying like the depth of pain that her family has caused, her and her family has caused. She's just abs- like saying, I'm sorry that people saw the pictures. Yeah, I'm... And she is. She's very sorry that people saw those pictures, I'm sure. I'm she sure. Is, I'm sure I hope it's damaging her relationship with Matt James. Based on everything that we saw in this last week's episode, I don't know how she doesn't win. What did you just say? I don't know how she doesn't win. I don't know how she doesn't win. I hate the idea that she would win, but I don't know how she yeah. doesn't at this point. Yeah. You know what? Based on my theory, she's my projected winner as well. That's right, because you are you so. in order to keep your dog which you bet against the show there are three I'm, women of color in the final four and just one white woman she has to win for your dog to stay in your home <laughs> listen i said this on day one and so far i'm feeling pretty comfortable about where we're sitting at this point i agree i agree i will say i am pleased and it's very exciting to see this historic lineup of the final four. Yeah. And I think it's getting, it's getting overshadowed by the fact that Mm -hmm. there's this other controversy and those Mm -hmm. three women aren't really getting their light. Yeah. So if, if possible, I don't know how you feel about this. If we can put like, do a little kind of before we even move into the episode. Yeah. Talk about our, our final three. That we Let's love. talk about them. And not Rachel. Let's talk about Let's the other three. And just I'd say love the things to. we love about them before we even get into right. the rest of this episode. Because I want to give them more light, you know? They're not really getting yeah. any airtime at all. No, you're right. And as I was looking at the lineup for the final four, I was like, wow, this is different. It's so different. And, you know? And, like, no one's really talking about it because it's just overshadowed by Rachel being awful. Yeah. And that's yeah. just, like, constantly the case, right? Like, black women's stories don't get to be exemplified because it's always about, like, the white woman who keeps destroying everything. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's start with... So let's... 
our very Wait, personal who you, favorite. <laughs> I knew you were. I knew you were going to pick Michelle first. How could I not? There's no way that you couldn't. At the end of so, the episode last week, we got to or last night, we got to see just like who Michelle actually is, which it seems like is a goofball. It yeah. seems like she is somebody for them to other the other women to kind of lean on. Yes. It seems like she is stable in the moments when things get crazy. I didn't see her contribute to that fight with Heather at all. Mm-mm. We didn't see her Mm-mm. interject, but we know we'll talk about that whole fight later. But for, I didn't see Brie, Michelle, or Serena P get involved in that fight. Right. No. And those were, you know, those would be the women that we would expect to stay away from that type of drama. Yes. But Michelle, um, that clip at the end was very funny of her doing the push-ups in her elegant evening gown. She also did a lot of them, and they were really good. Killing the damn push-ups, first of all. I was so impressed. Yes. In the evening gown. Can we just... In heels. Like, come on now. And then, you know, she was definitely comedic relief for everybody there, which, you know... They have to be stressed out. They have to be anxious all the time, especially the women standing on that choir stand, waiting (laughs) and waiting and waiting for hours with their knees locked. It just has to be so nice for somebody to be like, this situation that we're in is very strange. And And let's, let's laugh about it for a moment. So I loved that. And, um, I also appreciate the other things you mentioned about Michelle, one of them being that she seems to be emotionally stable, but also she knows how to find healthy outlets for her angst. Yes. You know, and we only we only saw that one clip of her her screaming with Ryan. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's that tells us a bit about her. Yeah. About how she handles stress, and we we've never seen her take it out on another person. Right. Also, she posted a picture on her Instagram of her in her classroom in a mask and a face shield, getting ready for her first week of in person or at least wow. half in person students. Right, okay. Right here in Minnesota, and so she's immediately back to work, which is awesome because she's not just taking this opportunity to go be an influencer. Right. She's like, no, I am who I am. I came here to see if this would work. It may or may not have, but it probably didn't happen. And so now she's like back doing her thing and she just has a lot more people supporting her now, which is awesome. Yeah, I like that. I like that she hasn't gone on a PR tour. I mean, maybe she did. And if she did, that's her prerogative. Right, and hopefully but she makes some money It shows, mm-hmm. but it does show her going back to work that she is who she said she is. Yes, exactly. And she's you know? invested in her students and making things work for them. Through all of this stuff. Right. So, so then Brie, I think, is my absolute, is my second fave. Like, it's kind of a tie for me between Brie and Michelle. I love Michelle, but Brie has really grown on me in the last few weeks. And, Tell me why. Well, okay. First of all, she's adorable. Mm-hmm. She's, like, Michelle Agreed. is, like, super tall and athletic, and Brie is, like, a pocket-sized person. When she walked up for her rose at the end, she was wearing, like, four-inch heels, and she couldn't even come up to Matt James's, like, mm-hmm. line. She was so small. It seems like she's spunky, but mm. also she's, like, very serious in ways that I admire a lot. When she yeah. talked about her job and, like, finding her dream job and how important it is to her to find a career 
because she was raised by a single mom and she sees like how important it is to work really hard. Oh, I just like fell in love. Yeah. With who she is. Yeah. That moment was a bit shocking to me. Right. Because I wanted to be like, don't leave your job for a man. Yeah. But I liked what she shared about her background and why that was such a, a big decision for her, why that was so difficult. Just sharing a bit about how the way that work ethic, um, what it means to her and her family, yeah. right? Yeah. And being loyal and staying in a position. It was a very authentic way, organic way to share something about her family with Matt. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. And I was, I felt like she got really robbed by not getting that group date rose because Mm. she said so much to him and really put herself out there. And Rachel really didn't say anything except for that. She was scared. She wasn't going to get picked. And the way she reacted with just like the silent crying. Oh, it was so devastating to watch. Yeah. It was so devastating to watch. Well, especially knowing what she has given up. Yes. And what she had just told him, all he had to do was validate her in that moment because she ended up getting a rose anyway. So what kind of man doesn't see that sign? I'm, we'll talk later about more signs okay. that Matt James that doesn't, Matt doesn't see. see. Yeah. But it's pretty consistent with his personality. Yeah. So then the other woman um, who is left is Serena P. Mm. What are your thoughts on Serena P.? Well, you know what? Um, I'm sure we'll talk about the one-on-one in a bit, but I like Serena P. I'll start there. Yeah. I like her. I think she is set. I think she knows what she wants. Yep. I think she um, is very direct, yes. right? She has good and boundaries. Yes, definitely. I like her communication style with Matt, and I think she's smart. You know? Yes, me too. I think she seems like a, a smart person. Do I think that her and Matt are compatible or no. that they'll... No, right? No, no. I was shocked she got but, the rose on the one-on-one. Yeah. We can talk about that right now, actually, on that one-on-one. Okay. She, I thought she got an unfair edit. I'm going to say that. Tell me why. Um, Because they made her look like a prude, and they, they made did. her look like squeamish and the reality is that she and Matt just don't jive on the level of physical touch and that's like an important foundational piece of a relationship you and your partner have to jive on that or at least agree to meet each other halfway pretty consistently and they made it they edited it in a way that made her look like she was super uncomfortable and I, it sounds like she was uncomfortable, but I don't know that she was always acting that way throughout the world. Mm. We didn't get to see anything of her being fun or relaxed with him. And I'm sure there were moments like that. And then on the evening date, they kept zooming in on her hand holding with him and how her hand was sort of open and he was sort of like grazing his fingers and the music undertone, like what they were trying to convince us and what they successfully did for me last night while I was watching it is convince me that she is, like, weirdly standoffish. And then now thinking about it today, I'm like, wait a second. I don't. I haven't seen that from her so far. She was pretty affectionate with him on the first date. Remember she, like, jumped into his mm. 
arms and, you know, all of those things. I felt like she was pretty close and affectionate with him on the first date. So this edit felt really, really weird to me. And I'm not sure if it's just to set us up for her maybe sending herself home or something. But I didn't really love the way that she was framed. Okay. So I agree with most of that. Um, I think that she may have been uncomfortable the entire date. It's an uncomfortable thing to do. I hate like, these tantric yoga dates. I know. We always talk about it, right? <sighs> we always talk about how there's like some tantric yoga date or just some date that puts them in overt sexual positions with right. their clothes on right. just to see how each of them will react. On TV. Right? On TV. So With one white lady fact- who's like, namaste. <laughs> don't, don't. Just don't. Don't get me started. But, um, you know, the reason why she might have been more affectionate before is because that was on her terms. Mm-hmm. I She perhaps wanted to jump into his arms right. or wanted to hold his hand. This is a date that's set up and it's like, this is the activity that you will partake in today. And I actually thought about you a lot because I thought about, I think I was like, I think Hannah would say, that it's not even fair for them to choose this date. I agree. For her, right? They do. They <laughs> I, I'm glad you agree <laughs> with my hypothetical Hannah in my head. <laughs> but really, though. They did it on purpose right? to make her uncomfortable, and I don't... I exactly. Think I think it sucks. I don't know why they're doing that to her. I liked Serena yes. up until this episode, and they made her seem unlikable, and she's not. No. And so, whether it was the edit... Or the fact that she was just legitimately uncomfortable throughout the date. Um, They shouldn't have put her in that position. Right. Or like if you're the, you know, if you're the white lady tantric yoga instructor, do you not kind of read the room? You know, maybe pull back and try something else. Right. But they're like, no, you can't stray from the script. But, you know, it's just so unnatural because... You're, the cameras are on you. She's trying to maintain some semblance of what her integrity level is. And for her, that means maintaining some um, appropriate and maybe chase to, to some people, physical distance yeah. from the man that she's dating several other people with on national Yeah, television. man. It's like, listen, you have a partner, Hannah. Do some days you just not feel like being physically affectionate, being cuddled, being close? Yeah, and you've been together for how long? So it's like, why on earth would we ever look negatively at Serena P for her reaction to this? It's weird. And then also in that same vein, it seems like Matt just somehow, I mean, I was so annoyed that he... Why? Took well. First of all, that he took Serena P on a second date at all, and that Abigail got completely robbed of any sort of one-on-one time. We'll get to Abigail in a little bit, but the fact that he took Serena P on a second date, she gave him a lot of signs of like, I'm not on the same page as you in terms of how we do this, and he was like, Yeah, you know what though, I'm still gonna keep you. I can't. He said, I'm still. I can't read him at all. He said, I'm still gonna keep you, and during the date or. Following the date, when she first articulated, yeah, that wasn't a good time for me, he said in his interview, hmm, I thought we were really connecting. I had no idea she was extremely uncomfortable. How could you not? She was, like, trying trying to play it off with jokes. She was, like, 
like doing big wide eyes and all that. She was clearly uncomfortable. If we can see it through the TV months later, how are you not picking up on it as she's sitting in your in lap? In your lap, bro. In your lap. And also when his when they were like hugging and he, she was sitting in his lap, his facial expression also looked uncomfortable. I don't really get his decision making here, like why he decided to keep Serena. But maybe it's just because, like, maybe he was going to, I don't know. I don't get it. Because he was, because Serena was before the group dates. Yeah. You know what? This one, for this one, I'm not going to try to get into Matt James's head. I don't I'm know. just gonna point. I'm just gonna point out that that's the, our second example of how he's not good at reading the room. Right. And lastly, I think that way too much space was given to the conversation about Serena P not liking the date and being honest about it. Right. Because I think we didn't get to see anything else that happened, so we were left utterly confused. It's like. But there was so much space given that he was like, wow, I really liked how you told me you didn't like the date. That was super cool because you were being honest. And man, honesty, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was was too much. They kept rehashing. It It was like the whole dinner revolved around that one little statement where she was like the editing, like she got the the audience was just no longer on the team Serena P. So by the time she got the date rose. I was like, what? I thought for sure she was going to go home after this. It's like I know, I did. I did date. too. I did too. Right. But, and, but there have been really good dates, like your girl. Right. Michelle. Michelle. No, but your other girl that went home. No. <laughs> Abigail. Wait. <laughs> you have so Katie. many. Katie. No, that was a terrible date because they did that prank thing. But it was, it looked had, like they had a good time. Yeah, and yeah, it, it looked, looked like they connected. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just confusing. But, you know, he likes who he likes. He knows, I mean, I guess he knows what he's doing. I guess. Um, we'll see. The reality is we've just been, we've had way too much drama focus on the season that we don't yeah. even really know why he likes Brie, why he likes Michelle, why he likes Serena P. Or I yeah. really don't know why he likes Rachel because he just keeps being like, I just do. Because he's like, you're so confident. And she's like, I'm actually super insecure. And he's like, okay, cool. <laughs> we, we can work with that. Thanks right. for being vulnerable. Yeah. But I hope next week, I mean, I'm just really excited for Hometowns because we'll get a chance to see those three women shine. Well, who isn't excited for Hometowns? I'm so excited. I can't wait to I... meet the Kirk Connells because Rachel's parents, are they going to be like, okay with the fact that she's dating a black man? Well, you know, it's funny. A lot of those, like, upper-class, conservative white folk, well, they have a disdain for... It's classed, too, right? Well, they have a disdain for, like, certain, like, maybe working-class black folk um, or black folk who have a certain aesthetic. Yes. Or who use a certain vernacular. Yes. They don't like... A Matt James black... Yeah, exactly. A Matt James black person... Is like it's like a nice addition to your family because you can say Ooh. that you're not you have a black person in your family. But he wears a turtleneck and yeah, he's, he's palatable, in a crisp way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know we'll see. You know it, it could go either way. It could go either way. His her family could say like, uh, what the heck? Or you know we might see a little bit uh exotification everybody Maybe. kept posting gifts from get out last night I oh no 
I love it. I was like, that feels accurate. That feels accurate. I love it. But I just want to say one more thing about Serena P before we move on. Okay. Matt said at the end of the date, today wasn't easy, but we got through it together. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of talk of him being like, we've overcome so much. Like when he was talking to Kit, he was like, we've been through hard times together. I was like, no, you have not. Oh, my God. No, you have not. And that's, like, his style, I think. He sometimes just fills up space with words. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) But I was like, really? This was your difficult uh, obstacle that y'all overcame together? You did a tantric sex yoga date, and (laughs) she told you she didn't like it? And you asked her why she didn't like it, and then she told you? And that's the hard part? (laughs) So stupid. You know, I just keep thinking about this. Okay, at what point did these people find out who won the election? Because mm. this was all being filmed in the middle of the election. And, like, at what point did they find out? And does that affect, like, who you choose, how hmm. you interact? Does it affect your stress level? Because I feel like going into this week, the women were so unbelievably stressed out. Like they're Very agitated. Stressed. Yeah, they're always stressed at this point. But Heather coming in. I feel like lit a fuse and created this like my it was horrible and I was was the perfect storm I was wondering I was this in like you know was this Wednesday of that long election week where we're trying to figure out who is going to be president and they were like all the Mm. women were sort of like losing their mind over not knowing the answer like we all were um is that what was happening I want to say I hope that, that that had something to do with it because they were so out of pocket their behavior was insane when Heather came in. It was insane. <laughs> I love all the ways that you've described their behavior. Can or we the just reaction talk about like, Piper went, like lost her mind? <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like this group of women, there is always something bubbling below the surface. Yes. And I don't know if this is every season of The Bachelor, but this season it's particularly evident. And it seems like once there is like, once all of that anxiety is quelled, because maybe the source of, like, a Victoria went home, it's like they're always looking for, like, the... Well, okay, one, they're always looking for the next target right. of their angst right. so they can, like, get all out of control again. And the producers are making sure that that stress level stays high That's by true. adding all of these ridiculous elements. And, like, every pack of wild animals, there always has to be an alpha. And they all are going to follow the behavior of the alpha. And in this That's case, right. it was Jasenia. Yeah, which and is surprising. I, it was, but then I was also like, okay, maybe we were just on her side with MJ. And oh. So we were cool with the way she was behaving then. But actually, she's like a little vicious. <laughs> and it just, it happened to be that she was on the right side with MJ, but she's on the wrong side with this Heather situation. Because... Like, don't get me wrong. Heather looked dumb. Yeah. She looked dumb. She should not have She's been her. looking dumb. She's been dumb. looking dumb the whole time she's been in quarantine. It looked dumb that she rolled up in her minivan. It looks dumb that she shows up in week six. It looks really dumb that she was never she never asked Hannah Brown to introduce her to Matt James before. But did Keep she going. deserve the There's kind more. of, like, tongue lashing that makes <laughs> you question, like, who you are in this world? I don't know. I don't know that she earned that. Because Victoria didn't even get that. 
None of those women laid in Victoria before she left. Well, you know, it's about timing, too. Like you said, like tensions are so high right now. And Heather got grilled. She really did. And I don't know if it's okay for me to say I was here for it. I think you should say whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, I felt like two minds about it. I felt like this is unnecessary. Oh, yes. She did not know what what kind of dogfight she was walking into. No. And it's it's like almost infuriating how innocent she acted as well. Because Mm. I'm not saying she came in and like did committed some crime. But I'm saying she had to have known that that was going to be a really bad situation. So when she came in, she had almost no real story to tell the women. That's right. That's right. And no answers and to them. And they were pissed. No answers but tears. Oh, yeah. She was able to respond with some tears to what Serena C. responded. Can you just leave? Because I don't want to hear your tears. Yes. The first moment I've liked Serena C. the whole season was her just saying, like, don't bring your tears here. I just... That was a standing ovation moment. It was such a good moment because I felt like she was speaking for the two of us. Because we've been talking all season. For everybody. Weaponizing, white women weaponizing their tears. Can you just go cry over there, please? (laughs) And she was like, okay, yeah, yeah. I I feel very bad for Heather because I do think she is, from all accounts of everyone who was on her season, from the way she behaved on her own season, everything we've seen of her, she seems like a genuinely kind person. Sure. She's she's made a lot of friends on her own season. So this was just a big mistake. It was a huge mistake, and she paid for it big. It wasn't an easy three weeks for Heather. No. Like, she spent two weeks in the queue, first of all. <laughs> then she gets out of the queue. She gets berated by a group of highly agitated women. And then she gets dumped. Yes, within minutes of arriving. <laughs> within minutes for the second time on national TV. Yeah. And I kind of revisited what happened with Colton because at first I was like, wait, she's kind of lying about what happened with Colton. But I went back and watched the scene of her leaving on Colton's season, and she did leave of her own accord. She did? She, yep. She was one of three women that left of their own accord on Colton's okay. season. Colton well, then was I a take kind back. of bummer bachelor. He was not a great pick. So a lot of women left because they... <laughs> I think yeah. Rachel, Ra- or, um, sorry, not Rachel, um, Heather told him she wasn't ready for him to meet her family so that she felt like it wasn't a good fit anymore. So she did send you. herself home. I, and I, and I, I have to apologize for my tweet that said I, that she was getting that wrong when she said that to them. Oh, she okay. She was like, well, oh, it just wasn't there with me and Colton. Well, I'll take back her. the fact that I said she got dumped twice. Yeah. So it's her first time getting dumped on national TV. But Either way, that's a pretty bad month. It is a bad month. It's a bad month. And then she just has to go back home and pretend it didn't happen until it airs six weeks later, eight weeks later, <laughs> ten weeks later. It was probably a while. That happened in mid-November, right? So now we're here watching it happen, and she has to, I don't know. I will say it seemed like most of the internet is on her side, so she's probably fine. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, good. And I bet you we see her in She'll paradise She'll be just now. fine. She's probably oh, yes. actually re- revived her bachelor career through this. Mm-hmm. Fine. Which mission accomplished? Yep. the The last thing I'll say about this Heather thing is that whole scene where the women were shredding her apart was a masterful Frankenbit editing monster. There were parts, what do you mean? Well, there were parts where we saw, like, we saw Jasenia's mouth move mm-hmm. when she said some pretty harsh words 
to Heather. But we didn't see Rachel's mouth move. Mm. We just saw a clip of Rachel looking at Heather and then her saying, if he keeps her, I'm leaving. I see. But we didn't hear, we didn't see her say it. And that happened with some other people too. Like Kit Kit said, bitch, what are you doing? But she didn't say that to, uh, on camera at least, she didn't say it to Heather that we saw. I so see. we don't mm-hmm. know what like what was said directly to Heather and what was said in in the moment interviews, what was pulled from other places. So I yeah. don't, I don't fully trust. And a lot of people were like, "That's the meanest group of girls out there." But no, I don't. I just don't. I'm not going to put that much credit into us being yeah. told the truth. I do think Jasenia looked really bad in that Serena C. She's been like that the whole time. Kit has had bubbles of that the whole time, too. It's not surprising. But I'm not dragging Michelle, Chelsea, Brie, Serena P. I'm not dragging them into this mess. No, I think you're right in terms of the editing. I was noticing how it was kind of just this nicely crafted montage of women being angry. And and like you said, we saw a clip of so-and-so, and and then we would hear a soundbite, but it it didn't all necessarily align. But it it was like that moment when... Katie went to go tell on the women to Matt. Yep. And they just showed all the women on the couch cackling evilly. Yes. Yes. Right. And it was like, that was a really nice way to paint the picture that they wanted of yeah, what type. You just can't, you can't trust it. Right. You don't know. What That's right. Know. That's right. So then um, he sends her home and I was just like, wow. So <laughs> 30 seconds of this thing happening. And we got to see some serious true colors from some of the women. We did. Just hold back for a second. Like, hold back. You know, I know you want to come after her, but like all that for one minute, she was she was not there for very long. Yeah, you could really not say anything and you'll be you'll probably be fine. Yes, I agree. I agree. So then we went to the rose ceremony. Um, We saw Chelsea and Serena C go home. That's exactly what I said would happen last week. You did. You were right on the money with your prediction. And I liked how he started the rose ceremony addressing the women and saying how happy he was with how they handled Heather. Yes. Just w- coming I'm like back thinking the- about how he's watching it last and night. And I just wish they would have cut back to those to, to her being tongue-lashed. Her as just you crying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's eating those words now that he's seen the episode. Oh, my goodness. I loved it. Yeah. Then we get Serena P's one-on-one, which, like, absolutely crushed our our girl Abigail because she didn't, yeah. you know, to watch another a woman get another one-on-one when you haven't been given one. You know how embarrassing that would be? I just, why did she not say, I'm out of here? She didn't say a few things when she confronted him about it. Yeah. She didn't tell him what she was upset about. I know. I feel so sad because... I think her self-esteem was just took a really big hit during this yeah. process. And she felt so insecure that, and like we talked about this before, you don't have anyone to bounce this off of. That's right. So she can't say to someone else on the show, I'm really mad at this dude. He's been ignoring me and he he's leading me on. He's leaving me on the back burner. Because then she'll be like, well, why don't you just go home? You can't trust the advice that you're going to get from those women. No, you're right. And she was feeling very defeated. She said as much. Yep. She just said, this has been so hard. But when they, when the two of them sat down and he said, what's up? What's going on? First of all, Matt, you know, you know, you know, bro, 
So and don't for do you that not thing. Just say you know exactly. Coward. Matt don't has been do a that. Coward in so many instances. Like, but it's almost. Said, mm-hmm. You need to say, "I'm so sorry. I didn't give you a one-on-one. I had to know if it was right there with Serena P. And I think I also know it's not there with you. And I'm really sorry that it had to happen this way. But instead, he goes, "What's up? What's the problem?" Ugh. Yeah, go ahead and confess your love for me and tell me how much my decision hurt you so that I can, you know, get whatever I get out of that and then I'm going to dump you anyways. What he said was unbelievable. Remind me. He said to her, I think I was just so comfortable in our relationship that I decided to pursue other women and get to know other women. And through that process... I fell in love with them, and you and I, you know, we never really connected. And then when she was in the limo, she said, I'm constantly the one to make men realize what they want next, and they don't want me. I was, this was a crushing blow. Yeah, it was. Oh, my God. I really wish, you know, it's not up to me, and it's not my business, but I wish they wouldn't confess all of that in the limo on the... Just take it to therapy, sweetheart. I know. Like, but, I'm you know, therapy. if that wasn't Like, I say those types of things to my therapist. That's right. That's for you to talk about. <laughs> you know, you don't... Not on national TV. Because I just feel like an Abigail gets that using, used against her in the future. Well, or somebody that, digs or it, it back up. it was the perfect audition to be The Bachelorette. Oh, my gosh. I actually said that in my notes. I was yeah. like, nice audition for The Bachelorette. Yeah, she might get it. I mean, With I don't a side know. eye. I don't know if it's confirmed. It seems like there's a lot of rumor out there that Katie is the one that, that was confirmed as The Bachelorette. But this has happened before. Yeah. Where we've had a different person allegedly be The Bachelorette. And then we find out later that the, that the, you know, the casting has decided to change it. So I wouldn't That's... fall for that quite yet. I would love to see an Abigail Bachelorette. You know that. Oh, I know you would. I and, wouldn't mind it. No, I would love it. I um, I wish she would. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that 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 what he said to her was like a, a horrible, and he should have kept. Oh it yeah, life. and I mm-hmm. and I was thinking the same thing when he was explaining how his relationships. You know, he felt so confident with his relationship with Abigail that he started to explore other relationships and he started to develop other relationships with other women. First of all, when we're talking week two, you gave her the first impression rose. So are you trying to say that within two weeks, you started to develop such deep feelings for these other women that you knew that your relationship with Abigail was not as strong or you didn't have as strong of a connection, but you kept her around for the next six weeks? It's unreal. Like, essentially what he said to her is, I just don't feel any obligation to you whatsoever. And I thought you were cute, but, like, you're not that hot. That's how I felt he was saying. That's what I felt like he was saying. He should have kept that to himself because it was a devastating blow. I mean, oh my that gosh! Some serious rejection to overcome, to work through. It's just, it's just terrible, and it just goes along with what we have predicted in terms of Matt's relationship with Abigail. I never thought it was serious. No, I never thought that first impression rose meant anything. Yep, it was all for show. And can I just add that I felt like during Abigail and Matt's conversation that there was a lot more prodding on the part of production 
or pushing, I should say, to get the women to articulate exactly where they were in their relationship with Matt. Because I felt like one by one during this particular. So I felt like there was a lot of pushing on the part of production to get women to articulate exactly where they were in terms of their feelings for Matt, because every single one of them did it during this date. And it was almost like they, the prompt was the producers. It seemed like in my opinion that the producers asked them to basically ask Matt to explain if they were on the same page. Yes. But there's no way that you can explain, he can explain if the two of them are on the same page, if the women don't articulate what page they're on That's first. True. So with Abigail, she was um, basically laid it all on the line. She said, I've been vulnerable like you asked. I've told you some very personal mm-hmm. things, which she has about her fears um, in having children and whatnot. And she basically said like, do you want to marry me? Like, do you see a future with me straight up? And, you know, that's when he came back with his BS. Well, I, I did at one uh, point, but was, uh... that was only, that only lasted for four days. And then, but you know, I just thought it was interesting the way each one of the women was very specific about how they felt about Matt and what they wanted and for I their think future we together. We usually do see that in this episode. Prior to hometowns is when stuff gets pretty okay. like, okay, we better just get down to brass tacks because we're about to fly your families here. So, like, yep. are you in there? Are you out? Let's just talk. We have to talk about Kit. Okay, because we'll talk about Kit's whole okay. thing here. I'd love to. This, like, this, this, another moment where I'm just like, I don't get who Matt James is, or maybe he's finally showing us who he is. Because okay. Kit says to him, like, look, I, I'm 21, right? I want to finish school. I want to travel. I want to work on my stuff. Like, what I don't want is to get married and have a kid right now. She yep. says, like, oh, I want to wait to have kids till I'm 25, 26. But let's be real. She's talking about 30, 31. Well, she wants to be older. And what he said to her was, uh, it's not like I have, like, a five-year agenda or five-year plan here. So I can just go with the flow. And I was just like... Why on earth did you come onto a show where the premise is that yeah. you will get engaged after just eight weeks if you don't have a five-year plan to be married with a family? Because you could have just done regular-ass dating, which involves a long-term getting-to-know-somebody period where you just travel and work on your careers and then maybe you get married later on and maybe you decide to have kids together. That's just regular dating. Yeah. I couldn't believe yeah. he said that. Like, that's such a red flag. And I feel like that's the moment when Kit should have walked out. Like, oh, you don't actually have mm-hmm. a plan this. This is all just for fun. Yeah, it is definitely a red flag, but it's in line with the way that we've seen Matt just kind of tell women what they want to hear, what they're hoping to hear, whatever's reflective of what they're kind of asking him for. And Kit was saying like, look, I want to live my young life. I don't want to have kids at this point. And he told her what he thought somebody in that position would want to hear, which is like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, like I don't have any set plan when, like you said, clearly you, you do. Right. Cause you're about to get engaged in the next 
two I mean, weeks. if you're if you're serious about this ending of the show, then yeah, you actually do have a plan, a five year plan, and that five year right. plan involves getting married, from what we can see. Right. Um, right. So then, when like Kit actually sends herself home, this this happened on many seasons before. Colton had three women send themselves home. On Ari's season, this woman, Jacqueline, sent herself home about the same time. Just like, you know, thinking, maybe this isn't going to work out. To me, it felt like she was leaving because she she felt burned by not getting that rose. And she realized oh. she probably was not the person he wants to end up with. And she was just like, might as okay. well save myself some trouble instead of inviting my mom to fly out mm-hmm. here and put her on TV and expose my family who are already wealthy right. and famous. I'm just going to go ahead and bow out right now. Yeah, that's funny that you say that because in my notes I wrote, Kit bowed out, question mark, question mark, theories, because I wanted to hear your theories. Yeah. My theory um, is definitely that she was embarrassed. I think that's a good one. I thought that maybe she was one of those women who had come on the show just kind of for the experience. And realized that she was kind of getting too far that's, along that's good, to continue to keep the charade up. Great theory. And even though she, because you could tell it was hard yeah. for her. And even though she loves like the potent, the idea of potentially getting further, she, to date she was him, like, but would she want to marry him? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. She's like, you know what? I was never ready no. for all this. And then she sees some like really serious women in the mix. And she's yeah, like, on top of it. I'm not a Michelle. Like, I'm not a woman with an established career who is, like, ready to... Michelle's 27. Like, yeah, 27 is not an unreasonable age to get married and start thinking mm. about kids, especially in Minnesota. So, no, it's really not. Yeah, I, do, I think that's a really good take on it, that she really actually wasn't ready for all that. And then I think that that rose ceremony... or Sorry, that rose on the group date confirmed to her... That, like, I think she read between the lines a little bit that she's not the one. So why uh, also get, why mm-hmm. keep going? Why get her family involved? Her mom is, like, famous. Right. Does she really want to do this? Does she really want to open yeah. herself up to that? Sure. I mean, if, you're com- if you come from a family who's been in the spotlight, it's not like this is an extraordinary opportunity. Right. No, exactly. She's not getting anywhere from this. So. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll see her on Bachelor in Paradise. I wouldn't be surprised because that's built for 21 years. I think we might. <laughs> I think we will. Um, let's talk about the last date, which is Jasenia's. I don't have a ton to say here besides the fact that we knew she was going home from the very start. Yeah, we did. Um, even though you're better at making those predictions than I am. Um, I, I saw her get blindsided. I saw her get blindsided. Yes, and that is a classic bad From her term. perspective. <laughs> yeah, because she sure did. Um, I did not appreciate how Matt, at the beginning of the date, justified his choosing of Yesenia for this particular date and just keeping her around this long because, and I quote, Yesenia has been very patient and good things come to those who uh, wait. Gross. I was like, so you're the good thing? <laughs> okay, fine. Fine. No, that's fine. No, that's not. That's not. Fine. <laughs> Did she okay. even get to drive the car? No, that's not her role. Okay, I was so mad. Like, if someone invite me on a date where we get to do donuts and, like, 
in a parking lot and bash stuff around with like a weird Dodge like car that they rented. Uh, right. And they didn't let me drive that car. I think I would end it. I'd be like, actually, I think this relationship is over because you should know that I'm going to be the one driving the car. Like the relationship is the metaphor here, the car, and I'm going to be driving. <laughs> <laughs> and you missed out on the metaphor and you missed out on the experience of actually having me drive yes, this car which for you. makes me want so. to leave <laughs> no like her whole role on this date was to and not to say that this isn't her or who she really is but just sit in the passenger seat and scream oh. and be a young lady you know i know she has more to offer excited than like i just know it right i do too i do too but, I don't get why there aren't more women who are like, you know, I just don't feel it with you. Because, like, come on, someone's got to not feel it, right? Yeah, she said she's falling in love hard. with him, by the way, and he said, thank you for sharing that. I was like, oh, I, know. I remember. It's the second one that he's thanked, which, in his defense, what, I mean. What's he supposed to say? Is he going to say, is he going to confess his love back? Right. Nope. Even if he is in love, they don't really allow them to do that, even though you have noted that they're doing it more and more where, like in Tasha's season yes. where they are allowing them 100%. to admit when they're falling in love with somebody. But, you know, I hate the thank you. I just hate the thank you because I feel it in it, my Yeah, it's gross. In my I just like, feel so oh. secondhand embarrassment for her. Like, ow. And, and they know? can't seem to realize in the moment what that means. Because they don't know that he's telling Rachel he's in love with her. They exactly. don't know that that's happening. So they're just like, oh, he can't tell me. But actually, he is telling someone. It's just not he you. He can. And he is. So she goes home. Um, <coughs> so she goes home. And then we see the final rose ceremony. To me, it was pretty obvious Piper was going home at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I, f- I feel bad for Piper. I-, I liked her, and then also I didn't like what- the way she behaved with Heather. It's fine. She's leaving now. I'm sure we'll see her in paradise as well. She was P.O.'d. She was P.O.'d. <laughs> she was P.O.'d. I think, we- I think we will see Piper in paradise because I think she has proven to us that she is a good hang. She's got great fashion. Yeah. She's beautiful, and she's also down for the drama. Piper would love to fall in love she in paradise. She would love to find love in Mexico. With what? With who? Like Blake from Tasha's season? Like, what are we going to see here? What scraps are they going to pull for us? I don't know. I don't want to know. Um, so next week, I mean, next week's going to be great. It's going to be hometowns. Do you love or hate is. hometowns week? Oh, I love hometowns, I actually. It's my favorite part of any reality show. Ooh. I'll tell you, yeah. When the families come on, and this is a tangent, but you know, did you ever watch Survivor? I Only one season. Like season 38 okay. or something like that. Okay. Well, do you remember when they had the families come? Yes. Every season, yes, toward the end of the season, they have the families come. And those moments where they get to be reunited with their families, and it's so emotional, I always cry. Oh, cute. During Survivor. <laughs> And so I love, like, when I get to see reality TV people's people. Okay, I can't wait then. I'm super excited for it. I hope, and if, uh, my prediction for next week is that Serena P goes home. That's my prediction. I don't know how you feel. Mm, let's see. And that would leave Rachel, Michelle, and Bree. And, and Bree. 
it's either gonna be Serena P or Brie. Yeah. Ugh, I hope it's not Brie. But it could be. All your people are getting the axe. I know, it's true. It's true. You better just stop supporting them so Uh, that they actually stand a chance. Listeners, we'd love to hear what your take is on what's going to happen with hometowns. And also, if you have some further questions about what we talked about earlier, which we realize is like trying to unpack a lot of ideas into one chat about Chris Harrison and Rachel, you just reach out to us. (laughs) We'll try our best to have that conversation more on air with you. Um, So you can contact us at You Get a Rose on Instagram is the best way to do it. Um, Also at hello at yougetarose.com for our email. If you want to find me on Facebook, find me. Find me. Don't find me on Facebook. Find us on Facebook at You Get a Rose or on Twitter at You Get a Rose where I tweeted up a storm last night for your entertainment. So check us out next week. We can't wait to talk to you more and see what happens with hometowns. See you later. I've been your host, Hannah W. And I've been your host, Jay Ike Diggs. Thank you for listening. Bye. For more on the show, visit yougetarose.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at yougetarose. You Get a Rose is a podcast from My Talk 1071. Hear more great podcasts on mytalk1071.com.